welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Lathan, hey, what's up? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Blake. So excited to be here. We are re-recording. We recorded once like 18 months ago. And I think both of our lives have changed pretty, I would say, drastically since then. But we lost the audio. And I was literally just telling somebody on my team that this was one of my favorite interviews. I can remember being so devastated when I lost the audio. But I kind of love that we waited. Like, I feel like we were supposed to wait to chat again. I have no doubt that it'll be a very, like, similarly awesome conversation. And what's crazy is, as before recording, I was wondering, what would I say differently based on the past 18 months and so it's just been really cool just to like why because obviously there's a reason for the waiting but why why and what have i learned since then that would contribute to the conversation so. well so 18 months ago you were a full-time pastor in california yeah i was <laughs> uh that has changed that has tell, tell us about tell us about just tell us like where you're at right now what you're doing yeah so i am an entrepreneur podcast host what really an entrepreneur is like <laughs> Right. I have a concrete slab. <laughs> Surprise. So I, what's really funny is as I was a pastor in California for honestly years, Blake, I heard God say multiple times, the people that I'm calling to reach aren't in church. Like yep. they're just, and they won't be. And, and unless you do something about it. And so um, I thought, and I found my identity and my title, which is so easy to do. And I got promoted in this ladder called church work. And I decided when COVID hit to make that sign to be like, okay, we're in California. My wife's eight months pregnant. We can't afford to pay attention here. So like, why don't we just like move? Yeah. So now we move, we are back in my hometown, which is super crazy. Uh, glad I'm in counseling. Uh, super, crazy, <laughs> super redemptive. And God's just been doing so many crazy things. And then what kind of is like the summation of my whole life in two months ago, I had major brain surgery and I flatlined in the hospital twice and like God literally brought me back. So it's just, it's been a whole, what's really weird is even, so it happened July and August. And when I was making my June calendar, everything was happening. Everything was being scheduled in August and September. And I was like, what, where's July going? Like it's my anniversary, but like, why is, why am I not getting anything? Turns out two days later I was in ICU. So it's been a wild ride. I'm now going to the church, attending the church where my mom's funeral was, where I first heard the name Jesus at her funeral. And so it's been hills and valleys, but my wife and I look at our two kids every day and we're like, this is, this is the dream. Like yeah. what we're doing right now is a concoction and, and, a, and a piece of the dream that we really want to be reality. You have this like incredible, like made for lifetime story and it would probably be multiple podcast episodes to try to tell the whole thing. <laughs> Tell us about like what you were just talking about. Tell us about how you met Jesus. Because it's a cool yeah, story. So I was raised by a stripper. My mom was a stripper. My dad was a pimp. He owned, doesn't anymore. Obviously, he's not, he's not alive anymore. But he owned all the strip clubs in the city that I currently live. Um, and he just uh, was abusive physically and verbally to me. 
I thought that was normative. Like I didn't I thought that that was the way of quote unquote being a man. And my mom committed suicide when I was seven. And at my mom's funeral, the pastor said she loved Jesus. And I had no idea who Jesus was. Even at my mom's funeral, I said, who the heck is Jesus? And so I was kicked out of my mom's funeral and like was asked to leave because I was disruptive. Still disruptive, present. Anyway. And you were seven. Seven, yeah. So. And so I hated church, understandably so, for 10 years, eight years, something like that. Middle school, eighth grade year, one of my friends said, hey, you want to come to camp with me? There's going to be girls in sports. And I was like, <laughs> sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> and so I went to this camp and the whole time the guy was talking about God the Father. And I was like, that's really cool. Like this idea of like a father that's good, like that's a totally yeah. foreign concept to me. And so obviously like every Thursday night for student camp is gospel night. Like it's the emotional night. Like they're all like, everybody, let's plan for Thursday. And yep. so he like had this moment of if you want God to be your father, if you want to accept Jesus in your life, like stand up. I didn't stand because I was still trying to wrap my head around who this father was, like didn't calculate. And so I, after everything was over, everybody left the auditorium and I made a beeline for this dude. And I was like, yo, that father you're talking about is really cool. You need to hang on to him because my dad really sucked. Hmm. And he was, he, in in a way, preached the gospel to me in a way that I could understood, understand and digest. And in that moment, I gave my life to Christ and I came back to the church that I now am in, which is kind of weird. And nobody cared. Nobody mm-hmm. knew. Nobody knew mm-hmm. my story or my name. And I remember going to the bathroom at a youth night and I was thinking, God, like, if you saved me, which is what I think happened at this camp, like, why why do I feel like nobody gives a crap? Like, mm-hmm. Why do I feel like this whole church thing is just entertainment? And um, it was in that moment where God said, you just wait, buddy. Like, we're going to, this is going to be your whole life and it's, you're going to be devoted to it. So I went into pastoral ministry since then and was a disruptor of church for a while. And then I realized that to be the full disruptor that God's called me to be is, is stepping out of full-time ministry so yeah yeah well and i i think it's so interesting what your trajectory ended up being because it's such a yes disruptor but also the tenacity required yeah to stick with god when his people suck Hmm. yeah is in my opinion like so honorable because i think so many believers have that experience like if you grew up in church in any capacity or are in church now like you have likely encountered people who love Jesus that suck. Like yeah. you just have, there's yeah. a, Oh, who's that comedian? And he John has, a, no, he's an older guy. And he has a, um, he has a spe- special that's literally like Jesus rescue us from your, your followers or like save us from your people or something like yeah. that. And it's th- not to like pile onto Christians or the church. And that's not what like the point of any of this is, but I just like want to have a conversation about being a disruptor and yeah. what, that looks like when like the church does get it wrong. I feel like people are so like tiptoe around that, that people are either all in or all out. Like people yeah. are either like the church it's is like, garbage or yeah. they're like, no, the church is great. Why, why are we yeah. talking negatively about the church? I'm so uncomfortable. So like, why did you leave being a full-time pastor outside of like COVID hits? We're going to like, we can't really afford to be in California anymore. Like I know that there was more to it than that. Yeah. It's actually funny an analogy, if you will, I had a conversation with a shepherd, like an actual full-time shepherd. Whoa. Um, and that was really my like, okay, I'm done with the, I'm done with this stuff, if you know what I mean. But in that whole time period, there was, and it's still viral on Facebook, and I absolutely hate it. It's this image of 
people apologizing to people who have been hurt by the church. And basically like the whole saying is, hey, I'm sorry that you were hurt by the church. That was humanity, not Jesus. And mm. what that does is that justifies pain Yep, is what we Christians, I'll put myself in that category too, are really good at doing to not feel. Yeah. Because who gives a crap if Jesus doesn't do it? Like people did it and people mm. are representations of Jesus, whether you like it or not. And so the conversation with the shepherd changed my whole view of Luke 15, which is a parable of the lost sheep. And he and I were talking because I just wanted to, I thought it'd be cool. I've read shepherd like Christian books before, but I wanted to have a conversation with the guy. And he said, most people, I said, tell me from Luke 15, from your perspective, like what, what is it about that parable that people don't understand? And he said, what's really crazy is most people don't believe, most people don't know that the only reason a sheep would logically leave a flock is it was hurt. Mm -hmm. Like the only reason it would leave a flock is it was hurt. And it would leave so as to not get the other rest of the flock wounded, but it would leave so that it also wouldn't have to justify its pain to the rest of the flock and wouldn't have to like have to talk about the pain that they're experiencing or why they feel like they're not part of the flock. Obviously, sheeps don't talk, but sheep, sheeps, sheeps, uh, <laughs> we just made it. Work. Um, obviously, they don't talk, but the way they communicate, they would have to communicate in a way that their pain would have to be their posture. And they'd have to justify why they still belong. And they think sheep logically, and a lot of people understandably think that the best way to do this is to leave and to remove yourself completely from what people are leaving the church at a rapid rate mm -hmm. because they don't want to have to explain their hurt or they've tried before mm -hmm. and it's just been met with justification. Mm -hmm. Dang. <laughs> I love like fully understand parables specifically. Yeah. Like what there is. I would venture to say every single parable in scripture, like there is a layer that can be peeled back that makes the parable just like freaking yeah. blow your mind. Yeah. And I like, I feel like once a week on my show, I get to be like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. But it does like, okay, take that out of the sheep, like the sheep analogy or parable. Like I've left a church because I was hurt. Mm -hmm. I've spent less time with Jesus because I was hurt. Present. Right. Like, by his not by him but by his people yep so it's just like first of all okay that's not just me like that's just not me and my reaction to pain that's yeah. a human reaction yep what about like that conversation and that new understanding of that parable was like okay i need to like step out of full-time ministry and do something else they've labeled themselves as something different the people that are the sheep that have left have taken on everybody at, at the core of humanity and this is one of my core beliefs. The core of humanity, everybody wants to fit, belong, not just oh, fit in, but belong. 100%. But belonging is a process and belonging is messy. Belonging isn't like, hey, Blake, come over here and you can belong. Mm -hmm. Like we have to know each other intimately to belong. And so, right. and churches want to prostitute the process and just like have signs that say you belong here or mm -hmm. like, hey, come on. But like, that's literally pain language of some people who have been hurt. Right. And so... I realized that the people that, because the messages that I was communicating on from stage would hit some people, but would get a lot of feedback of like, that's not really reality, is it? Like this Sunday best type, like, that's not, that can't be. That's can't not be. happening. Yeah. Or that's like, not, that's, not, that that's way. a far away concept. That's not local and community. And the city I live in right now is literally called the Bible Belt, which you're in the Bible Belt essentially yeah. too. But there are a hundred. So if you if every seat was filled in Tyler, Texas, right now on a Sunday morning, there would still be a hundred thousand people who don't have a place to go to church mm -hmm. because there's just no seats. 
Mm-hmm. But you belong here, but welcome home, but come as you are, but all this garbage that we're telling these sheep almost as like landmarkers when they really just want to be heard. Right. And we don't take the time to hear them. And so when I left full-time ministry, I really, in journalism, my wife got it too, was less talking, more listening. Like mm-hmm. that's just all I want you to do is you, li- you are very good and you like to talk, but why don't you just listen? Because the only way to actually like hear from their sheep is to listen to their story fully and not try to give justification or like excuses for that that narrative. So I'm thinking about like churches that I've been to that I guarantee you other people have been to where you walk in and there's like the you belong here, welcome home. And that's like not just a sign, it's a vibe. Like it's yeah. a whole it's a thing. Yep. And often have been the places where from the pulpit I've likely felt the least welcome. <laughs> I yeah. likely felt the mo- the least seen yeah. and and heard and and welcome and belonging and then I'm thinking about just from personal experience in that so we're like in a season now where we have found a church home that we love that we actually do belong that people see us that we like is involved in our community that like is actually doing church well. Yeah. But I think back to a season when we weren't how and I've, I've I think I've even said this like on air before how at the time we and we were still friends with these people but we didn't have kids then so we had <laughs> lives um what's that <laughs> right so weird but at the time like we spend our like Friday Saturday nights or even like Thursday nights at a local bar with our friends that weren't believers and that's yeah. where we felt at home like, that's where we felt welcome <laughs> that's where we felt seen yeah because there wasn't like the facade, there wasn't the judgment, there wasn't the like set of rules or the checklist or or the gasping if you struggled with something. And I know that that's like not a like solitary experience. Yeah. And that's essentially kind of what you're like trying to move into. Yes. Or, yeah. or are moving into. Yeah. And you nailed it with the, it's, it's not even like, obvious things pastors do to make people feel excluded but the language they use like pastors like to strut their theological stuff for some reason like i don't get it jesus never did i don't i don't understand that yeah but it's almost like let me show you why i'm qualified to be here which is just insecurity just like flamboyantly yep and that's not just from the pulpit like i see that from people on instagram people in real life yeah where it's like and I don't mean to interrupt, but like theology is important. Doctrine is important. Yeah. But are you communicating in a way that's going to bring like sheep back into the flock? Yeah. If the sheep doesn't speak whatever language it is you're speaking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so what this, this is always rocked my own. But when I came back to Tyler, my mom was a stripper, as I mentioned, and she that's the reason I'm starting this business. One of the businesses is she wrote a journal of a church that's still in Tyler of, a, of her experience. She got off the pole Saturday night, came into a church in Tyler Sunday morning. I don't know what the church is. I have my assumptions. Sure. Yeah. But she basically it's just a play by play editorial, like commentary of her experience of church. The first song they sang without any explanation, and it's really the simple was amazing grace. And she wrote on the page. What's so amazing about grace? Hmm. And then Philip Yancey wrote a book about it, not about that situation, but like he is so like, I almost feel like he's, that's the theological argument, but about the like reality argument, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like explain grace to a stripper. Mm-hmm. Like it's so easy to tell church people about grace and mercy and all these things. But for the person who's like out in the, trying to hustle and make a living, like, right. And don't realize that they're in like this pit of sin, explain the concepts to them. 
Yeah. We like to be so like far reaching and almost like impossible to obtain idea. Mm-hmm. We really just have to be simple. Well, and I think that that really, like we have the church, capital C, like the people have become so detached from what God actually, or what Jesus actually called us to do. And I write about this a ton in in my book that isn't out yet that, you know, so there's like this really popular like meme or whatever that I've seen float around about like, um, that like this belief, I don't remember, I can't, I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher it. So I'm not even going to try to say what it is, but this, this belief that church is for believers, mm-hmm. just for Christians, not for non-believers. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I can, I can see what you mean there, but has the focus, has the focus become like beefing up the flock instead of bringing people back in, like bringing people back into it has the focus become like having the most theological knowledge and being able to say the most big words or making sure that people don't spend eternity separated from God. Yeah. Yeah. But when you put it like in front of yourself that way, I mean, I can think off the top of my head of like 10 pastors and countless Instagram people that their content and what they're preaching is not, it's not bringing people into the kingdom. I don't know. If anything, it's taking people away from the flock. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, how is that? And and you can like watch them very easily, like explain why that. I feel like it's so complex because it's that's not to say that there isn't a time and a place and importance for teachers. Yeah. And that we as like existing believers shouldn't be growing in our walk and furthering our understanding of scripture and therefore theology and doctrine. But maybe it's like a primary focus issue. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obviously, I'm very much just thinking out loud right now. What I, what this is a tag word for first of faithful is church shouldn't be a country club. It should be a community center. Like yeah. church should be for the community. It should look like the community. It should be for the community. And you can get in as a visitor to a country club, but you'll, you'll know within five minutes you don't belong. 100%. Like it'll be, it'll be like, I'm thinking about my wife and I on a date. Like it, I, her first questions are, am I dressed appropriately? Like am I? Right. Is what I'm, is, is my person going to be welcome just as like nonverbals in this place? Yeah. And for so long churches, and I even interviewed a guy for season two of my podcast last week and he said it and I absolutely hate it, but churches have this mentality of if you're not a member, you, you don't really matter. Like, and we're not going to tell you that to your face. But right. Like, if you're not a member, if you're not one of us, then like, sorry. Like find that in the in scripture for yeah. me. Real Please quick. show me. Please show me exactly. I don't understand like there's it. no, there's like the prodigal son. Like he literally left, like which in that culture was <laughs> repulsive. Left everything he knew, and then tried to come back in, tried to belong, and the father didn't ask for his excuse. He actually said, "Screw list. I want you." Right. Uh, screw qualifications. I want. I want you. Like you're who I who I am here for. And if the church actually like use their resources that they like to say on Sunday morning. And again, when I speak from passion, I don't speak because I like am, am ticked off or I think it's just the church's fault. I speak because I really like in my personal time with Jesus, like I know how pissed he is too. Mm-hmm. Like he's not okay with the American church. Mm-hmm. And if, if church actually said God given resources and use them the way God would use them, then maybe we would be somewhere and maybe mm-hmm. church would have a better rap, but people are looking for a safe place. Like the stripper is looking for a safe place. That's all she's looking for. All he's looking for. There's no strippers now, I guess. <laughs> and we try to concoct this bubble of, Oh, we know what they're looking for, 
but you've never actually asked them. Like you've never you don't asked know, you don't know them, so yeah. you can't know yeah. what they're looking exactly. for. And and what we're essentially doing is just copying a model of a church that's effective and making a lot of money and doing all the things and influencing a lot of people. And we have copied and pasted and tried to put that in our local community, our local context. And it's just not the way it's supposed to be. I think of very similarly to the quote, the quote you're saying this, I've heard uh, church should be a hospital, not a museum. Yeah. You know, where like someone like your mother could show up in need of like care and get it and not not, not be in a casket to be even close to the word Jesus. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, so we've like established that there are issues, right? We've established that like there are broken parts of systems and I don't want to like just be like super negative about it because I do think that there are people doing this well. I do think there are people doing this right. What does that look like? Like how do we make people feel welcome and at home more than like aesthetically pleasing signs and songs they don't understand? Yeah, (laughs) I totally agree with you. I actually think revival is happening, not necessarily in Baptist way, but I think revival is happening in, in the people who are done with the way yes. we've concocted church to be. I think there is more greater conversations being had and more honest conversations being had than ever before. And I think, honestly, perhaps COVID was a reason for that. Yeah. People, got, people got tired of, of fake. There are two women at the wells in scripture, I think. Uh, there's Hagar, who... I really have a heart for because we only, and we like to do this in church a lot, not going back to problems, but we'd like to, like some people in scripture only have one sentence and we preach as if we do their whole life. And that's yeah. like a lot of people, but Hagar literally was a, she was the choice for a consequence of somebody else's sin. Like she wasn't, it wasn't her choice. Yeah. God promised Abraham and Sarah kids. The waiting was too long, which <laughs> I can, I, I can relate. Yeah. The promise, the blessing, whatever it's called, wasn't there yet. And so Sarah got fed up and said, hey, take the slave and sleep with her. Yeah. And so they did. Hagar conceived and she was kicked out of the house when they realized she was visibly pregnant. And she runs this well. And I love that she renamed the well, Elroy, the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. And so there's no other person at that well. And then Jesus comes to a well in the New Testament and he talks with a woman. And I, I think that's where revival starting to happen is, hey, you, you run the conversation. I'm going to just show you where Jesus was in your story. There's so many parts of your life that you think you know, but actually, like uh, Jesus has been there the whole time. Yes. And so let's talk about those moments. And he didn't shame her, which you belong here. Churches like to do. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell her she was wrong. Even Mm -hmm. he just read her her story back to her. Right. And it's just like, come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. Like that. That type of intimacy is what we need. Like Mm -hmm. everyone. Um, mm-hmm. that, and that will fill pews. The whole invite card for a new back to school bash won't. No. But the, hey, like I met this man named Jesus at this church and he was communicated so eloquently, so simply that I fit, like I belong. Can, mm-hmm. can you come? Can you come and see? And we're seeing that a lot in like addicts, but it's sad that they have to have their own ministry. Right. <laughs> they have to have their own like label to even have something that's worth inviting people to. Mm-hmm. because all of us are broken as broken as they are we just don't want to say that because we want to feel like we we have something left to us right so we surrender some not surrender all well i think that that's a really valid point that is important to make you don't 
to feel quote unquote, like too broken or too out of place for church. Like you don't have to be a stripper or an addict or the son of a stripper or an addict. You can just have lived life and have experienced life. And if the, the kids of Christ that you have encountered have gotten it wrong enough, Mm. that's all that it takes for you to feel unworthy or like you can literally have like just slept with too many guys in college. And I I shouldn't even use the word too many. You can have slept with a lot of guys in college and feel like you can't walk through the doors of church. You know what I mean? But I agree with you. I think that it's, you know, that essentially is how like I became a believer was I didn't have a conversation with someone who like showed me this is where Jesus was all along. Jesus kind of like revealed that to me, but that's how many people's conversion story has that element, right? Has that element of like, oh, he was there all along. Oh, he's never left. Never thought I was dirty. Never thought I was not worth coming to him. Yeah. But it's really easy to do the opposite. Like, Mm. it's really easy to teach people the opposite of that, that, you know, and like, I like, that's just another thing that people get where like, we keep going back to the problems because they're easy to talk about. But like, yes, we were like broken and not enough and sinful before we were in Christ. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Part of me wonders if that's what we're like, are we leading with that? <laughs> like, are we leading with telling people like, this is how depraved you are? Yeah. So I'm going to go there and I, I don't know why I'm going there, but I just feel like I need because just the quote, you probably didn't need, ever think you'd have Dave Chappelle mentioned in your podcast. Oh, I think but. I actually already have. So this is this space. <laughs> I love Dave Chappelle um his he has netflix to number two right now his yep. final stand-up thing have you watched it i've only gotten to watch pieces of it it's like on my list i need to sit down so, and watch it oh my gosh blake i watched it last night and wept at the part but he a- attacks a lot of different people which he just felt the need to and then at the very end basically he tries to unify everything which in a beautiful yeah. way but he says the person he was talking about a transgender who was a comedian and the transgender at the end of his skit, he said, I guess they know that I'm not, I don't believe in what they do. And the transgender didn't laugh at that one and just yelled back to Dave, oh, just that, what she said just wrecked me. She said, I'm not asking to believe in what I'm doing. I'm asking you to believe that I'm having a human experience. Mm. Just like, I, I just want you to believe that I'm human. Like mm-hmm. that, that I, that I'm just as like screwed up as you are trying to figure out, trying to find my place. I'm not asking to believe in what I've accepted to be my reality. I'm asking to believe that what I'm doing is like not a machine and I'm not, I'm, I'm actually more human now. Like, yeah. And we like to take the humanity out of all of scripture. And we take but, the humanity out of people that we don't understand or agree with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we make people into people that we don't agree with. Essentially we make into a type of machine and not a human. Right. Or like a, like a stereotype. Yeah. And yeah. You, like you have, you're in the middle of it right now with all the social media, like every, every attack. But like, what if all of us are just trying to find the sinking foot of the cross? Like right. in this, like we're all struggling to walk, to find grace. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's amazing about it. We're trying to get like a taste of it. Mm-hmm. And that is how Jesus operated. He knew we were human. It's not our fault. We're human. He knows our, our limits and our, our, our boundaries and all those things and still chose to commune with us. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I just recently, like last week had my like bout with Reddit. 
I lovingly call it the trash can of the internet. But these people on Reddit, like, and this is an extreme example, but I do think we see this within the church. Like we, they look at, this is totally flipped on its head, but they look at someone who is a conservative Christian and think that I'm a machine. Like they think that, that I like just people, people like fall into line on like whatever, all the other conservative. And like, they like, we've so this like detached people from their humanity because of the internet and because of beliefs and what we, what we believe about people, but 10 out of 10 do not recommend looking at your own Reddit forum, but (laughs) I'm not good for mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Just so bad for your mental health. But in doing so reading it, all I kept thinking was these people don't like, they don't know me. Like they don't understand me and they don't care to. And I think that that's like, that is not just a secular problem. We want, we within the church want to diagnose someone as having X, Y, or Z. And then we have a formula for fixing it where Jesus never did that. Like Jesus got down in the dirt and he knew people and he heard their stories or he told them their own stories. And like, what I always say is like, he radically changed the trajectory of people's lives by loving them first. 100%. He yeah. just loved them. Like, even if they had literally just gotten dragged out of a house, cheating, like with a husband who was cheating on his spouse, prepared to throw stones at her. Like, what did he say? Like, neither do I judge you. Go, but yeah. go and sin no more. Yeah. And I think that the the secular church like splits that sentence yeah. and does neither do I judge you and like has yeah. no understanding of like there is fruit to be seen. Yeah. Or they take the go and sin no more. And they think that that's all that Jesus said was that like, you have to follow the rules. Hmm. Whereas like he was this beautiful, perfect join joining of those two of like, I'm not judging you, but like I created you for more than this. Yeah. And I love, and some people literally read their whole lives to it. I think it's hilarious, but I love that people are trying to figure out what was written in the sand or the dust in that story. Like, yeah. And there's a lot of mysteries and wonder to Jesus, to the scriptures, to everything. And I think that's intentional. I don't think he, Jesus is like, oh, dang it. We didn't give him that. Like, we didn't tell dang him the information. The typo. Like, <laughs> we didn't catch that in editing. Like, <laughs> It's almost like the word he or whatever he wrote in that dust was only language that he and her understood. In that yeah. Moment. yeah. And who gives a crap what it means now? Like who gives a crap what word it was? Why are we wasting our time doing that? Why aren't we trying to get that intimate with people? Yes. Because there are so many people caught in adultery. Like I interviewed a pastor on my podcast who had an affair, was obviously forced down from his church, but tried to commit suicide. Yeah. Because he knew that that sin in that congregation was a no-go. Well, was this, was no it, grace. it was it no usually equated to like, you may as well just yeah be gone. Exactly. Yeah. And instead of, and to know how Jesus would have responded. 100%. And we don't know, what what if the husband was a pastor? What, what like, we don't know what they did. We don't mm-hmm. know what their roles were. We just know context. And, mm-hmm. I, and we need to stop trying to explain away the wonders of Jesus. Because there are some things that I would never tell a soul that Jesus told me intimately that I'm like, keeping this to my, close to my chest. You know what yeah. I mean? He met me in my stuff and said something to me that can only be make sense in that season of that moment. Right. And it's not for debate. It's for just reality. Exactly. Like, that real with people. Well, and I think that story is such a picture of exactly what we're talking about, right? That people yeah. are so hyper fixated on what was he writing in the 
in the dirt. People yeah. are so hyperfixated on doctrine and theology. We preach on it. Yeah. That they're missing the people. Yeah. They're missing like that's what really like Jesus saved her life in more than one way in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have like a bunch of things coming up and launching. They will be out by the time this recording is out. Yeah. Can you just give us like a rundown of the things that you're launching in case people want to connect with them? Yeah. So my whole, like if my life was wrapped up in a question, it's this, what if the black sheep had a story of gold? Because I think every black sheep, I've, I've been a black sheep. I think every black sheep has a story of gold. Yeah. So everything I'm doing is trying to reach out to the black sheep in whatever capacity. So my first thing I'm launching today, Hala, is made for purpose, which is helping people who corporate America has said you're a machine, not a human, find their human humanity again. And not like Michael Hyatt, quit your job, like do your own thing, but like yeah. because you're needed in that position. But what if you can actually like contribute as part of your as part of your purpose? First to faithful launches, and that's looking through the eyes of a stripper, helping churches reach out to people because we've we've concocted like Barma has done it, everybody's done it. Like people, why are reading people are leaving the church, and it's really simple. They're leaving because there's entire language, there's incomplete love, and there's just like understood things that you think people understand when you when you communicate and it's just like not yeah. for real and then afterwards is launching afterwards is more of like a book writing but i think a lot of the book writing issues is through the imposter not necessarily through the fact of not knowing how to but just like your inner voice or whatever somebody has told you you can't do is the mm-hmm. reason why you don't write and so i would i have always been curious of what my mom's story what people that i love and know what their what their perspective of life was and Barnes and Noble is still with stories of fiction. Yeah. It's actually somebody else's reality. So afterwards is those the intersection of saying what what are you gonna say when you can't speak for yourself? Like what speaks for you at that point? Does your obituary do it or like who does it? So yeah. those those three things are are my thing. Other side of the church podcast is already live with season one. The the logo for the church podcast is skeletons in a closet. And that's like the heartbeat behind the church. Yeah, well, we believe in hope because we believe in Jesus. But we tell stories the church won't say that's that it's either been ashamed or silenced. So, so like you're just completely right up our alley all day, every day. It's so good. Where can people like find and connect with you online if they want to? Lathancraft.com has literally everything I just talked about, including link to the podcast and socials. Lathan, there's not another Lathancraft because um, <laughs> Lathan's so unique. So yeah. there's not another that girl named Blake because that's unique. So there actually so. is a girl named blake really yeah and she likes weed a lot <laughs> Holla. people get very confused uh but i don't think she's active it's just her bio is like all like weed weed that's awesome. i'm like that's that's great anyway Lathan, thank you so much for such an incredible conversation and i don't know when season two comes out but people need to be sure to tune into your podcast because I'm going to be on your show as well, which I'll I'll share when it comes out. But thank you so much. Blake, you're awesome. Thank you. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.